decided to come out and join in with us today. You could have went to any other church in Chicago, but you decided to come in and worship with us, and we're grateful to have you in our place on today. For those of you watching online, you could have tuned in anywhere, but you tuned in to the birthplace, and we are so excited to have you be a part of our fellowship today. Do us a favor, those of you watching online, go ahead and hit that share button. For those of you watching on Facebook, hit that share button. Invite your friends, your family, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your booze, whoever you, whoever, whoever. Go ahead and invite them to watch with you. If you're watching on YouTube right now, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Join in and become a, a faithful watcher of our online ministry. We will be so grateful to have you be a part of our broadcast. Once again, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for being here with us today because the Lord is blessing me. Maybe it's just me. All right. The Lord is blessing me, huh? Because a whole lot, can I be honest? Forgive me, Pastor. A whole lot of churches did not reopen. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. Y'all know I don't pump and prime. That's all right. I'm I'm grateful. grateful. God is truly, truly blessed. We are so thankful. We're welcome. Welcome, welcome to have you in this place. Let us go to our scripture text for today, coming from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. 1 Kings, chapter 19, as is our custom. We stand not in reverence of the preacher, but in reverence to the word of God as it is being read. Amen. Amen. Once again, first Kings, first Kings, chapter 19, first Kings, chapter 19, verses one through eight. And it reads, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent the messenger unto Elisha, saying, So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, about this time. And when he had solved that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4 says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Verse 7 says that the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Verse 8 says, And he arose. <laughs> and did eat and drink and went into and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb the mount of God the word of God is already blessed let us go to the throne this morning father god we welcome you into this place lord god saturate us with your glory this morning 
have your way in this worship this morning, God. Touch those who have made their way out to in-person worship today, God. Touch these musicians today, God. Touch the preacher as he preaches today, God. Touch those, God, who may not know you in the part of their sin, God. When the door of the church is open, God, let them come running, asking, what must I do? to be saved. Lord God, we will give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise in this place. Let every heart say amen. Amen. Oh, come on. Let God hear you. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord.
church say amen bless that wonderful name of jesus we are so excited to see so many of you here today for our official in-person worship of return praise the lord for your presence some of you have already been coming but we wanted to officially make this the official day that we have returned to in-person worship uh, while we are yet certainly continuing to have uh, or starting to have in-person worship, we will certainly continue uh, continue in our online worship as well. We, we have uh, many, many uh, online members that are part of our faith community and have been supporting us in so many ways. And to God be the glory. Amen. We are leveraging and taking advantage of every means to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Can I get some help? If you're going to be here, you need to participate in worship this morning. Amen. 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 The following announcements are for you to be mindful of. Next Sunday, next Sunday, next Sunday, we celebrate. Ebenezer celebrates 119 years of Christian ministry. 119 years of Christian ministry, and we are so excited that Reverend Dr. Ozzie Smith, Pastor Emeritus of the Covenant United Church of Christ of South Holland, will be our guest preacher next Sunday. So we want to continue to fill the sanctuary. We got plenty good room for those of you who are watching online. Uh, if you are not in the Chicagoland area, uh, continue to be with us. But if you are, come on to Ebenezer. We got plenty good room. We have a balcony, beautiful balcony that you can worship with us. And we are grateful to Dr. Smith who has uh, helped us in promoting our 119th anniversary. If you have looked on our Facebook page, you have seen his uh, promo for 119 years. And if you're going to have guests in the house, you can't have guests out celebrating your anniversary. Amen. 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 
I got a call that's want to kind of give some more uh, information about our anniversary. I got a call from one of the members last night, and they asked, well, Reverend, is there a designated offering amount that we're looking to have uh, for this 119th church anniversary? And I told her this, and I'll share this with you and those who are watching online. I say to you, go to the Lord in prayer. Seek God's face and ask God how you should bless Ebenezer. And the only guidance I will give is that you would be generous. Amen? Generous over and above what you already do. Our members and our friends already know some of the things that we are, we are undertaking here at Ebenezer, and it is a great work. We are happy to report that repair for plumbing in the, in the educational building is ongoing right now as we, there, as we speak. And so we're grateful for that. So just go seek God's face and be generous on next Sunday, the 119th church anniversary. And I know you're going to do it uh, because Ebenezer and his friends are giving and loving and supportive. Also, I want to say that the month of June will certainly be exciting. Not only is this first Sunday and next Sunday is our anniversary, the third Sunday is Father's Day. Amen. Now, if I would have said it was Mother's Day, it would have been a roar. The third Sunday is Father's Day. Amen. Amen. That's the only time we're going to allow that noise up here. That's the only time. But uh, we're going to certainly, we're excited about Father's Day, and we have some special things that we're going to do for the fathers and the men of Ebenezer. And so we are looking forward to that. Also, that weekend, Father's Day weekend, I want to certainly make mention of the All Men Lifted concert, June 19th, uh, being uh, led by Minister Dana King. Uh, if you are desirous of going to a wonderful, wonderful concert, if you want to take your dad or a significant other or whomever, uh, that would be a wonderful, wonderful gift uh, to start the weekend. If you want to get tickets, you can go to unlimitedfaithproductions.com. Again, that's unlimitedfaithproductions.com uh, to secure your tickets uh, for that event. It's going to be a, a wonderful, wonderful celebration of gospel music and other genres as we, they celebrate Father's Day weekend. Also, the fourth Sunday, the fourth Sunday will be Graduate Recognition Sunday where Ebenezer will be honoring those members of the class of 2021. And so we are excited about those who are, have been called to graduate in a very, very challenging year, yet they still persevered and they made it. Amen. Amen. And we have a lot of other events that we are, uh, we're looking forward to in the month of July. We're going to hold that. I'm just going to say we're looking to have a major event in July with the men of Ebenezer taking the lead. Amen. I'm not telling you what it is just yet. Once we get our committee firmed up, the men of Ebenezer will be taking a, uh, the lead on a major event in the month of July for our church. Amen? 
And then August, August 7th is Vendor Fair at Ebenezer. Amen. We are excited about Vendor Fair. If you have not been able to secure your tables, please do so because those tables are going very fast and the price is reasonable. So you want to take advantage of it because we're going to have this whole area packed with people for our Vendor Fair. Here ends here ends the reading of our announcement. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Amen. Oh, I'm 
And I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it without no drama. But willingness to serve. And, 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 and we are so, so grateful, so grateful. I want to lift these names today uh, in, uh, for prayer. Um, we're praying for Sister Mary Alexander, Sarah Billups today. We're lifting her in prayer. Mary, Reverend Mary Grant, who is now home, we continue to pray um, uh, for Deacon James Smith. We are praying for Grace Lee, Shirley Anderson, Mary Sumter, Mary Burton, Al Burton. We're lifting in prayer many pegs, Eloise Davis and Christine Brown. We continue to pray for our brother beloved, Kenneth Sexton, uh, Willie Grant, Robert Burns, the husband of Ethel Burns. Ethel Freeman called me last night and is in request to continue, wants to be on the prayer list. Things are going well, but she wants to continue to remain on the list. We're remembering in prayer Brother Alfred Moore, the father of Vicki Jamison and Marty the Eastern. We are remembering in prayer Angela Marie Williams, daughter of Patricia, is in the hospital asking prayers. Remembering in prayer Patricia Hatcher in prayer. Thank you for sending that text message to me. Uh, and we're continuing to pray for Anita Cross right now, the sister of Patricia Butt. And there may be other names. There may be other names that were not mentioned, but God surely knows those names. And you know those names. You know the names that are upon your heart. We lift up those who are responsible for others, those who serve as caregivers, those who are taking care of loved ones. We're lifting them in prayer. Let us go to God in prayer. Eternal God, our Father, we come before you this morning thanking you for your many blessings. God, we come interceding on behalf of these whose names we've called, those names that remain silent to us but are on your altar. God, we lift them in prayer today. God, we ask that you would meet them, O oh God, at the point of their need, whatever they stand in need of. It be it financial blessings, be it healing, O oh God, be it companionship, whatever they need, O oh God. We're just asking for you to touch in a mighty, mighty way. God, we're praying for those young people, O oh God, those who are beginning new journeys in their lives today. We're asking, O oh God, that you would keep them close to the cross, O oh God. Realizing, O oh God, that their every achievement, O oh God, comes from you. God, we're lifting up caregivers today, O oh God, those who have been called uh, to be caregivers for loved ones, for moms and for dads, for brothers and for sisters, O oh God. We lift them today, O oh God. No one knows, O oh God like you know what the challenges are and how difficult the burden can really be, oh God. And so we just ask that you would sustain them, that you would encourage their hearts and minds to continue to serve and love and care for loved ones, oh God, with a smile. God, we know that all of us, oh God, all of us one day will be called upon to do something greater than we've ever thought we could achieve. But we know with your power and with your grace, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so, God, we ask right now that you would bless the balance of this service, O oh God, that something that may be said, uttered, O oh God, or even sung will speak to the needs of those who have gathered here in faith, in person, and online. 
Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for answering our call. Thank you, Jesus, for making ways out of no ways, even right now. We lift now, God, this prayer upon the wings of the afternoon and place it before thy feet. So the all-wise God we pray, and for his sake we do pray. And all of God's people say Amen.
after scorched earth is still breathing up the remnant of fire where you see 450 opposing adversaries incinerated in the valley. If you are Elijah the prophet, this is a moment when people hoist you up on their shoulders and carry you down the mountain. This is the moment where you cue the confetti, or if you was Baptist, you cue the Hammond organ for the cascading parade and victory dance. This is where you're going to high-five it because there's no coming back. This is where you beat your chest and shout, that's my God, right? Wrong. As high as Elijah was on Mount Carmel, that was as low as Elijah descended into the valley. Depression. Depression. Depression is something to which most of us can relate. It ranges from the Monday morning blues to full-blown clinical depression. And somewhere in between on the spectrum, each of us can lift our hands and say, I've known that level of depression. Can I get some help? somewhere. Uh, depression has been defined this way as an emotional state of exaggerated feelings of sadness, a, an intense discouragement that causes negative circumstances to overwhelm and debilitate a person's life. Another writer said depression is a black curtain of despair that descends down on a person's life. Even, even, even our music speaks of depression. Great blues tunes. Well, they call it Stormy Monday. Y'all heard that, haven't y'all? Well, they call it Stormy Monday, but Tuesday's just as bad. Well, they call it Stormy Monday, but Tuesday's just as bad. Wednesday's worse, and Lord, Thursdays are so, so sad. Oh, y'all don't act like y'all ain't listening to no blues. And then he cries out, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I'm in a misery. That's okay. <laughs> Oh. Y'all know it. That 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 you know that blues it comes out of depression for some experience. And so the question is, this question is, have you ever experienced that caliber of depression? Where a black curtain of despair. Beloved, in America today, we are dealing with a national epidemic to be sure. Uh, it's not only the virus or bacterial infection or germ of any kind. It's also spiritual. It's also emotional and it's physical epidemic called depression. Fifteen percent of Americans will require medical treatment for depression in their lifetime. 
Around 8 million Americans are clinically depressed to the point that they cannot function on their jobs. Depression affects each of us at one time or another and to one degree to another. And they have statistics that show that the level of depression after we come out of this pandemic will skyrocket. No one is immune to depression. Not preachers, not prophets. Many strong believers in the Bible suffered from immense depression. You know, one of the unique features of depression is that you can be depressed and not know you are depressed. Maybe you're listening to me today online and you're depressed and you don't even know it or you are in this room and you are depressed and and, and you know something is wrong, but you don't know exactly what it is. The good news is you can test yourself. See if you may be suffering from some level of depression. You can test yourself by asking, answering some of these questions. Have, have you had a sudden weight loss or gain recently? Do you find yourself sleeping too much or sleeping too little? Have you experienced the loss of interest of, of most of the most pleasurable things or activities you used to do? Are you experiencing fatigue or loss of energy? Have you been overcome with feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness and uselessness and helplessness? Do you experience restlessness or irritability? Do you have thoughts of death or even suicide? If you answered yes to a number of those rapidly fired questions, it could be very well that you are suffering from some level of depression and you didn't even know it. And listen, if you are suffering or struggling or dealing with depression right now, the good news is you are not alone. Because there have been some very great and famous people throughout history who have really dealt hard with depression. Names that are familiar to us, names like Mark Twain struggled with depression. Winston Churchill struggled with depression. There was a story told of a Midwestern lawyer who who lived uh, in the 1800s. He had so much trouble with depression that his friends took all his knives out of his house because they were afraid that he was going to kill himself. And he himself wrote these words, I am now the most miserable man alive. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I am afraid I shall not. The good news of that story is that that man did get better. And he went on to become the 16th president of the United States of America. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Here's my point, brothers and sisters. Depression is common. That's the reality of life. And, and so it's no surprise that we find depression in the heart of the scriptural text. Elijah, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, and yet he became so depressed that he prayed in the text that God would take his life. One of the symptoms of depression is what therapists call suicidal ideations, where a person becomes preoccupied with thoughts of death and suicide. And that's 
how our text talks today. The prophet asked God to take my life. I don't want to live anymore. The prophet of God who walked with God and talked with God and stood for God and worked for God was deeply depressed. And if that can happen to a prophet, you know it can happen to you and me. However, from his life, we can lift some powerful lessons about depression and how God empowered him to defeat it. In order to understand 1 King 19, we have to rewind the track to chapter 18. For in chapter 18, Elijah had a, had a face-off with 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. It, it was a public showdown to decide which God was really God. His 450 adversaries professed and proclaimed that Baal was God while he clung doggedly to the belief that Yahweh was sovereign of the universe. Elijah raised the question in chapter 18, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Baal be God, serve him. But if God is God, serve him. The issue, beloved, was to be resolved by fire. The God that answered by fire would win both the crowd and the contest. Elijah yielded to them home court advantage and permitted them to go first. And for six hours, for six hours from morning until early evening, they called on Baal. They shouted and they screamed and they danced and they eventually, uh, in their frenzy, began to cut themselves, trying, trying to get an answer from Baal, but, but there was absolutely no response. Finally, it was Elijah's turn. Elijah prayed to God. Cobb called on God one time. And lightning struck the outer ring of the altar and the soil that surrounded it. And it was all incinerated, burned completely up. And when the people saw it, they shouted out loud, The Lord, he is God. The Lord he is God. Elijah then ordered the prophets of Baal seized and slain by the brook Kadrat. Now, Elijah's mind, this was an incredible victory because the idols had been removed. The lie had been purged. Baal's prophets had been displaced. Rain, the rain had been restored. Surely Ahad, now the king of Israel, despite his own personal wickedness, would turn to God. And Jezebel, his despotic wife, would submit to Yahweh. But it didn't work out that way. It didn't work out that way. Can you imagine his discouragement? Upon arrival in Samaria to encounter the same old opposition? Wasn't this battle over? 
Hadn't the people just pledged allegiance to the one true God? But no, the enemy appeared as poised and as powerful as ever. So as 1 Kings 18 represents the prophet's pinnacle, 1 Kings 19 represents the prophet's pit. In 1 Kings 18, is the highest experience of his ministry. 1 Kings 19 is definitely then the lowest point. Because listen to the text again. When Ahad got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me. If by this time tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Now, you should know this was not Elijah's first tangle with Ahab and Jezebel, nor the first time he had invited death for delivering a a divine indictment. But on this day, in this moment, at this time, he folded and fled, no longer triumphant. Elijah was terrified and ran for his life to Beersheba. He left his servant man, continued traveling a day's journey until the wilderness, eventually uh, sloping down under a, a juniper tree, feeling like death warmed over. Now suicidal, he says, God, this is just too much. Go on and take my life. What happened? He was depressed. What is God's word to us in the midst of depression? Is it even possible for us to overcome depression? Listen to me, because depression is an interesting emotion and state of being, because typically it's not related to one thing, but to a number of things. There are several things transpiring in Elijah's life that directed him and led him to this moment that we meet. In fact, text tags at least four areas where God deals with him and moves him beyond defeat to deliverance. And these are the same four areas that we need to monitor if we would defeat depression in our lives. When you feel depressed. Number one, check your physical condition. In the text, verse five, where it says, then he lay down and slept under under a juniper tree, but but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him to get up and to eat. He looked around, and there beside his head with some, some bread cakes on hot stones and a jar of water was sitting there, and so he ate and drank, and then he lay down again. In his depression, it's interesting for us to know that the first step of divine intervention was to deal with his physical condition. What was Elijah's physical condition? Beloved, He was plain woe out. He was exhausted. He was completely exhausted emotionally, physically, and mentally, and spiritually. 
He had a mountaintop experience in chapter 18, but had a miserable experience in chapter 19. He went from up top to rock bottom. And have you noticed this irony in life? That in close proximity to our greatest highs come our lowest lows. I'm looking for a witness here that, that can testify that, that there is a short distance from your zenith to your nadir. Shortly after the breakthrough comes the burden. Just beyond the elevation comes, show enough, the aggravation. Right after the sunshine, here come the rains. Elijah traveled 20 miles to Jezreel, the neighborhood of Jezebel and Ahab, and he discovers that contrary to his hope, neither Ahab nor Jezebel had decided to honor and exalt Yahweh. Rather, Jezebel was determined to exterminate Elijah. Intimidated on the run, he travels 100 miles south to Jezreel and then travels an additional day in the wilderness. He has left his servant and now finds himself alone, and that is where God met him. And what does God do? God ministers to him physically. He's tired. He's hungry, thirsty, and exhausted. And the Lord has him to sleep then sends an angel to wake him with food. He goes back to sleep and then has another meal. His need was physical, and God meets him at the point of his need. And I don't know about you this morning, but I'm, I'm glad to serve a God who will meet you right where you are. Because the legendary uh, a coach of the Green Bay Packers once said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. So my friends, as you self-diagnose today, if you are feeling depressed, the first question to ask yourself is, am I getting sufficient rest and relaxation and refreshment? And how important is that question? It's so important that it's included as the fourth commandment in the ten. Six days, six days shall you labor, and on the seventh you shall rest. Not do social media, not watch TV all day long and binge watch, but to rest, not go out and mow your yard, uh, 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 you have to rest. And I've got to confess, I'm guilty right there, because how often do we blow off that commandment? How often do we ignore our need for physical, mental, emotional, and, and even spiritual rest? I can hear my, great, my grandmother saying, saying, go somewhere and lay down. Your grandmother tell you that? We, 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 we get to a place where, where we use up all our resources. I said we use up all our resources. And, and, and let me let you in on a little secret. Ain't none of us up in here spring chickens. Oh, y'all don't want to hear me. We winter birds. We ain't spring chickens. No more. We not only running on, we, we running on fumes. And consequently, we have absolutely nothing left in the tank. 
Can I encourage you as I encourage myself? Don't do that to your life. Don't do that to your life. Take some time for rest and relaxation and refreshment. Oh, y'all still don't believe me. I, well, I, I heard this story about a man that, that went to his doctor feeling terrible and, and emotionally blue. The doctor checked him out, and after several rounds of tests, the doctor said, I know what's wrong with you. You are stressed to the max. You have no margins. Uh, you have no boundaries in your life, and you are burning the candle at both ends. That's what your problem is. The man said to the doctor, listen, doc, I didn't come here for no lecture. I just came here for more wax. Y'all get that on the way home. Because that's the way a lot of us are. Just give us a little bit more wax. We know we burn it at both ends. But we have no intention of changing that behavior. In Mark chapter 6, 31, Jesus told his disciples as they were ministering with him, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and do what? Rest a little while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. The King James Version puts it this way, that the Lord says, come apart and arrest a while. If you don't come apart, Beloved, you will come apart. We can't meet every need. We can't surmise every challenge. We can't overcome every obstacle. We can't do everything for everybody at every time, but God can. I remember when my youngest was small every now and then, my wife would say when she got cranky and irritable and inhospitable that that baby needs a nap. And, and, that's, and what's true of kids is also true of adults. We get cranky and irritable and inhospitable and mean because we need some rest. There's nothing wrong, and let me tell you this, there's nothing wrong in going to your doctor and getting checked out. And some of us, when we go, we may need some medication. There is nothing wrong with medication, but you need to check your physical condition. Secondly, when you are feel, feeling depressed, you need to check your spiritual condition. I'm in verse 9 of the text. It, 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 it's all right there. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and Stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there as the Lord passed by. In verse 11, God had him to stand on the mountain, and the presence of the Lord passed by. First with a strong wind, second in an earthquake, and third as a raging fire. But the text adds, the Lord was not present in any of those. Fourthly, God showed up. As a still, small voice. 
And Elijah recognized it as God raised the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? God first dealt with the physical. Then God moved on to his spiritual. Grab hold of this question because throughout his ministry, Elijah had been led by God in chapter 17. He's led to the brook Cherith where he ravens feed him. Then he's led to Sarapath where a widow takes care of him. Before there, he's led uh, to confront Ahab and his, and his brood of, of prophets. But when he heard that Jezebel had put out a hit on him, he decides to run for his life. It is dread, not destiny, that pushed him forward. And to be clear, whenever we permit our fears to dictate our direction, we are en route to depression. He is 300 miles off course. And so God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Can I ask you this question, Ebenezer, as you search and check your spirituality? Are you in the wrong place? Maybe you are running from the very place that God has ordained for you to be. Maybe you are running just because it's challenging, just because it's hard, just because it's difficult, just because there's been uh, discomfort or disagreement. Maybe you are uh, uh, like, wrong, uh, like wrong way Jonah going to Nineveh when your assignment is in Tarsus. Are you in the wrong place? Now, I'm not talking about your neighbor or your family member now. Are you in the wrong place? Maybe you are like the prodigal son who left his father's house in search of fun and fame and fortune and ended up in the hog pen. Listen, anytime you do what you want to do and leave God out, the end result is always the hog pen. Proverbs 14, 12 says it's clear there's a way that seems right to a person, but the end of it is death. Psalm 68, 6 says, only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. And so the question is, are you in the wrong place? Here, here's a second question that you need to focus on. Are you focused on the wrong thing? Was it Elijah focused on the wrong thing? Yes, for he focused on Jezebel and not on Jehovah. Are you focused on the wrong thing? You will be amazed at how many people have left the church and left the faith, not because of God, but because of other people. Are you focused on the wrong thing? Because people didn't save you. People are not keeping you. People have not sustained you. People have not provided for you. People have not healed you when you were sick. Why leave the church of God, the kingdom of God, and the plan of God? Because you have a disagreement with the people of God. Are you focused on the wrong thing? I want to say something so bad, but I bet not. Are you focused on the wrong thing? 
Why are you focused on where the chairs are on the pulpit? When you should be focused on the children that's dying in our streets. Why are you focused on where I put my behind, immense as it may be? When we have seniors that need companionship. Oh, y'all don't want to hear that. Why are we focused on the wrong things? You have focused on your storm rather than on your savior. You are focused on your problems rather than your provider, on your enemies rather than the eternal, on your obstacles rather than your opportunities or your past. Why are we focused on the wrong things? I think this is huge. And if you want to defeat depression, you have to direct your deliberation to God. The Lord passes by the prophet in these magnificent displays of power, but God is only revealed in a still, small voice. What does that say to us? Often, often, Ebenezer, we want God to show up in our situation and shake the place. And we want the wind, the violent wind to blow. To blow. We want the earth to quake. Let the fire raise. And yet God chooses repeatedly to show up in the small, quiet whispers of our experience. I heard you, Beverly, in, Bible, in our Sunday school. It's all kind of ways of worshiping. Sometimes the worship is in small voice. I wonder this morning if any of you have ever been to a concert. I know before COVID, we did a lot more things, but go to a concert. I know we're going to try to make the concert in June later this month. And one of the things that we go to a concert, we recognize the music is, is really loud. And you're trying to talk to your friend who came with you, and you, you have to scream just in order for them to hear you. Why? Because there's so much noise around you. We tend to live life where it's too loud. We have so much going on. Somebody's always in our ear. People always, always ringing. Media always playing. Uh, 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 email, snail mail, and direct mail is always arriving. Our lives are noisy and loud, and often we can't hear God because our volume is too loud. God was teaching Elijah and teaching us, get your eyes on me then whether I choose to move into dramatic fashions or discreet ways, you will be able to get what you need. I know many of you Old Testament students recognize the name of Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah who had faced an enormous army. His prayer appears, if you're interested, in 1 Chronicles 20. He says, God, we are powerless before uh, this great multitude who, who are coming against us. And now, do we know, uh, do we know what to do here? Uh, it is, but our eyes, we don't know what to do here, but our eyes are on you. Get your eyes on God. But Hebrews 12 and 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Here are my questions for spiritual evaluation of your spiritual condition. Are you in the wrong place or are you focused on the wrong thing? Thirdly, 
are you forgetting to give God praise? This is another key element when we talk about being depressed because what do depressed people do? They mope, they groan, they moan, head down, quarantined in the house, sequestered to the bed. Everything is a struggle, and their lives are their lives are, are, are hard and difficult. And so the question is, are their lives filled with praise? Of course not. But listen, one of the greatest resources you have that you can use against depression is to praise Almighty God. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 119, 164 says, Seven times a day I will praise you, Lord. Hebrews 13 and 15, Through him let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. Psalms 34 and 1, the songwriter says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. But I hear you, friend. Pastor, I'm just too depressed to praise. I just don't have the energy to praise. Yes, you do. Tell yourself like the songwriter in Psalms 42 and 5, while I am discouraged, why is my heart sad? Sad. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Maybe Maybe you need to have a conversation with your soul. Maybe you need to begin to say, I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to continually offer the sacrifice of praise. I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel up to doing it. I don't feel I have a reason to do it, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Fill your house. Fill your room. Fill your car, your cubicle with praises unto Almighty God. So when you feel depressed, number one, check your physical. Number two, check your spiritual. But number three, you've got to check your mental condition. That's the dialogue of verses 14 through 18. I repeat, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him to go back. Go back? The Lord told him to go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Hazel, Elisha, and Jehu. I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have, been, who have never bowed down to Baal or killed him. Look at Elijah. His mind was filled with the idea that he was the only one left. Lord, I tried, but I'm the only one. Everybody's turning against you, and now they're turning against me. I am a failure, God. I thought things would change, but they didn't. So I'm done. Stick a fork in me and just take my life. Look what's happened. Baal couldn't take him out, but he could take himself out. It all starts, my friends, with the stories we tell ourselves and what we think in our minds. You see, Elijah is negatively 
preoccupied. And I've got to encourage somebody, ladies and gentlemen, don't be led by the lies of the adversaries of our souls. Because lies and negativity go hand in hand. Don't live a lie and don't be led by lies. Combat the enemy's lies with God's truth. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hold on to the Lord's promises. The Lord's promises are always enough. Uh, I have to encourage you this morning to park God's promises in your heart and in your mind. Promises like Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Promises like Romans 15 and 13, God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. You trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Promises like Proverbs, the gods may, may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Promises like Ephesians 1 and 6. We praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us all. Promises like Hebrew, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Park God's promises in your mind. God said to this beleaguered prophet, I have 7,000 who have not found the need to bow to Baal. You see, Elijah, you are not alone. You will believe in the lies of the enemy. I tell you, believe the truth. Live the truth. Stretch out on the truth. And so when you're feeling depressed, check your physical, your spiritual, and your mental. But finally, check your relational condition. Elijah is an emotional wreck. Because he had himself, he had himself as in the center of his life. It's, it's like he's all by himself, alone with himself, you know, wrapped up in himself, focused on himself. Loneliness breeds isolation. And isolation compounds depression. He declares, I am lone am left. It's just me uh, and the Lord, and there's nobody else. Everybody else has been killed or has forsaken you. And what does God do in response to his relational confusion? God gives him clarity by giving him an assignment. And it's not just any assignment. It's a relational assignment. This assignment reminds him that despite his complaints of being made or uh, being filled, filled, feeling alone, he was not all by himself. God says, I want you to go back to where you were. And when you get there, I want you to anoint Elisha to be prophet, then Hazel to be king over Judah, and Jehu to be king over Israel. And so God gives him an assignment and says, quit thinking about yourself. Quit sitting in your room all by yourself, with yourself, contemplating how bad your life is. I want you to get back into the world, Ebenezer, and engage. And that's somebody's word today.
get back into the world and engage. God tells the prophet, get your eyes off yourself and start helping somebody else. I've got others who need what I'm giving you. You may not see them in your cave. You may not see them in your room, but you are not all alone because the way to elevate yourself is to invest in somebody else. Because is that what Jesus did? His entry into the human equation was an investment in our future. He invested himself in healing the sick. He invested himself in raising the dead. He invested himself in liberating the captive. He invested himself in feeding the hungry. He invested himself in empowering the weak. He invested himself in teaching the unconscious even while he was on the cross. He kept on investing after Judas had betrayed him, after Peter had denied him, after disciples had abandoned him. He kept on investing after Pilate had condemned him, after Herod had dismissed him, after the soldiers brutalized him, after the crowd had mocked him, he kept on investing, investing in his mother's well-being, investing in a dying thief's itinerary, investing in the salvation of the world, investing in the future of humanity, investing in the destiny of the universe. I've got a question this morning. Is there anybody here or online who can tell that he made an investment in me. I said he made an investment in me. What do you mean, preacher? He made a way when there was no way. He made a way through the fire and the flood. He made a way when I was down and out because the Lamb of God invested in me. He's invested in you right now. Today is the day to overcome depression. Inspect yourself physically. Check yourself spiritually and mentally and relationships. But God wants you and me to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. The word of God for the people of God and all of God's people say amen. We're going to open the church doors of the church at this time. Perhaps there's someone here that recognizes there are some things in your life right now that you need to overcome. Perhaps it's depression or perhaps you suffer from mental illness, whatever it is. We offer Christ to you. We know that there are many secular resources and we support them. But there's also a spiritual component to restoration and healing. And so right now we want to extend the doors of this church to you. 
as we open the door of the church. Is there one today? Perhaps you are watching us as you are streaming live with us. If you have been moved and want to make a real and meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ, we invite you just to chat us your contact, text us your contact information, text us your name, and one of our members, one of our deacons will follow up with you and invite you to be a part of our church here at Ebenezer. Is there one today? Is there one today? We offer Christ to you today. Is there one? You can move. This now is the time. Tomorrow is our promise. We offer Christ today. Is there one today? elements out uh, in the North X. If you did not have an opportunity to grab one, if you would just raise your hand and one of our deacons will be happy to serve you if you do not have the communion elements. Everyone is good. not get communion elements, just raise your hand so we can see you, and we will take care of you. I'm going to ask our deacons to stand evenly on both sides, Minister King and myself, two over here and two over here. Deacon Mayberry, you're good where you are. You are good where you are. Corinthians, we came upon that text that talks about communion. 
and how important it is. And that it's just not a performance. It's just not pro forma. This is a serious, serious moment. It's a serious moment because we recognize the sacrifice that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ made on our behalf. So if in the words and vernacular of the old school church, if you ain't right with God, you ought not drink this as you will drink damnation to your soul. So as we pray, if there's a confession you need to make between you and God, I invite you to do that as we pray over the elements. Eternal God, our Father, we are thankful for your gift of sacrifice. We are thankful, O oh God, that you were willing to die on our behalf so that we might be in relationship with you. Lord, if there's anything in our hearts and minds that would hinder us from partaking of this holy table, we pray, O oh God, that you would forgive us and that you remove it from our hearts. God, we pray that these elements might become for us your blood that was shed and your body that was broken for us all. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat this to your conference in remembrance of me. And in like manner, he took the cup, the cup of blessings, which represents his shared blood for you and my eyes. As often as you drink this, you do so in remembrance of me. Drink ye all of it to your cup. As our deacons come, Deacon Mayberry comes to collect the elements. Thank you for those of you who are here today. Uh, we want even more next Sunday as we celebrate 119 years. So this is the service where you invite your family members and friends and say, I know you you back out too, but you need to come to my church as we're celebrating 119 years of Christian ministry. You know, that's a very, very long time. How do I know that? Because I want somebody to stand right now and say, I'm 119 years old. Praise the Lord. There being none, we are celebrating this incredible milestone for Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church. Because we recognize tomorrow is not promised, and we ain't trying to save ourselves for 120. We're going to celebrate 119 like we have lost our mind because we recognize that God, we recognize that God has blessed us, has blessed us in ministry. Amen. And we know, Ebenezer, you're going to do what you need to do as you are bringing your sacrificial offerings on next Sunday. Go to God in prayer. Ask the Lord what you should do, and then you be generous. You be generous to the church that you call home. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand at this time to receive our benediction to those who are watching online. We love you. We appreciate your presence. Let us know that you are here with us watching and streaming online. 
We will continue this. These are some of the things that we're going to be continuing in the days and weeks ahead. We want to fill this place, but we also want our stream, our live stream to blow up because we have some faithful members on online. Amen? Amen. And now unto him who's able to keep you from falling, to him who's able to present you before his father with exceedingly great joy, to the all-wise God be dominion and power, honor, and glory in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace to serve the Lord. And remember to be kind to one another.